because I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody who's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model, they're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. It's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds, it's threatening the game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right, Brent Porcio here with another Baseball Ops podcast. I would say special guest, um, but he's an old friend. I guess I'd like to call him an old friend. I don't know if he'll call me an old friend, but uh, excited to have him again on the show. We've had him on before. And before coming on, uh, I, I want Dr. Sean to introduce himself, but before coming on, I did ask him if there's something we shouldn't be talking about because he's a, he's a, he's, he's just a, he's a, he's a great guy, lot, you know, very popular, a lot going on. So I just want, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes or go into anything too controversial, but he said, uh, it does lead to a good story. So we are Dr. Sean. Um, is that a good transition for you? <laughs> Yeah, that, that'll work. And we're definitely old friends. I mean, we've been friends now for what, at least three years. Yeah, it, it feels old. Maybe it's not, but I, I don't, you're one of the guys, like once you get to know you, you feel like you've known, I've known you forever kind of guy. Well, I appreciate that. I, I hope that that means that, um, you know, you feel comfortable asking questions and talking about whatever you need to talk about because yes. that's how I want people to feel. Yes, I do. Definitely. Okay. And I've been so, to your place, so I kind of feel like I've been your home, you know? That's true. That's true. You have been to my spot. Because you're very generous. You, you got us lunch. We talked forever. You gave us all this time in the world, and you're just a great dude. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I've since sold that place. You did? But, uh, yeah, man. No more clinic for me. No more clinic. No more gym. None of that. I'm, I'm, I'm a free man. Good for you. Well, talk about what we're not supposed to talk about first, and then let's go into all that. <laughs> well, so it's not that we're not supposed to talk about something. It was that, for those of you guys listening, Brent asked me before the show, out of courtesy, is there anything that you do not want to talk about? And I said, I think that's a great question that, that, that you ask people. I'm an open book, and I would love for you on the show to introduce the fact that you asked me that question before so I could tell people a story. And I think that scarcity mindset and fear – drive people away from doing great things all the time. So I'm going to tell you a story that recently happened to me around this topic that I think will introduce what we can discuss on this podcast in any way, shape, or form that you want okay, in I'm a good on, way. I'm on edge. Let's do this. So I own a company, for those of you guys who don't know, called Active Life. And Active Life right now is the only company in the world helping thousands of people to get out of pain from anywhere in the world without going to the doctor and without missing the gym. We work with professional athletes, with Olympians, and with mom and pops. As long as you have the attitude of an athlete, we can help you. You don't have to be elite as long as you have the attitude. We also work with coaches, and that's newer for us. We've been working with coaches now for about 18 months in a professional capacity where we're putting on workshops all around the country and teaching coaches how to do what we do in a formalized way. We have online programs where we teach them as well. So I was looking for levers to pull where we could get more coaches to learn from us. And I found this personal training company that's one of the largest companies in the, in the country for personal training. And it happened to be an hour away from my house. Hmm. So I said, I'm going to go talk to them. So I, I threw a bunch of sales and follow-up and stubbornness get a meeting with these people meeting goes really well we get to a second meeting the second meeting my staff was going to come out and put on a mock workshop for their executive team 
you know, five hours long instead of the 13 hour long two day thing, but a mock workshop. Mm-hmm. So we get there and the owner of this company, where, by the way, you walk into the office and this, this dude's face is everywhere, like magazine article, everything. It's like a shrine to the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. Fine. That's what you want. That's fine. So we walk in and the first thing he says is, Hey, you know, thanks for coming out, man. Just before we do anything, I have an NDA for you to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which means right. nothing shared today can be shared to the general public. He's like, I need you to sign it. I'm like, okay, you realize that we're the ones presenting today, <laughs> right? Like, like we're, 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 we're presenting to your staff, but no problem. I, I will, I will sign it. He's like, you know, yeah. I mean, like you see something on the wall, like you hear a conversation, whatever, like we discuss our policies. I just want to make sure you're not discussing that with other people. I said, no problem. I got you, man. I'll sign that. And he's like, yeah, by the way, if you want, like, if you have one for me, I'm happy to sign that as well. Cause I know you're giving us a lot of education, a lot of value today. I was like, bro, you can take what I'm teaching you guys today and try to do it <laughs> yeah, right. better than we do it. I don't need an NDA. You can talk about this with whoever you want. This is on YouTube for free. I talk about this on my podcasts for free. This is on my Instagram page for free. And the point of that is, is there anything you don't want to talk about today, Dr. Sean? No, because yeah, no, NDA. I'm an open, no NDA, because I'm an open book. Like it's, if, if, if there, if what you guys are doing and, and I'm not talking to you, Brad, I'm talking to the audience. I like if it, what yeah. you're, if yeah. what you're doing needs to be kept so secret that if somebody finds out about it, they can replace you in your space. You suck. Then, then you <laughs> suck. Yeah. You're not doing it. And, and, and that's, that's what I wanted to make sure that I, uh, that's why I want to tell you that story because I think it's apropos. It's one of those like, oh man, I have the secret sauce. It's the execution of your public, not secret sauce that makes it so special. And that's, yeah, that's, and that's, people that's perfect. And great introduction and, and love it. And, and this is going to keep going in this direction. You're more than just, uh, you know, an injury specialist. I, I'm sure I want you to give a more accurate description of what you do, but you're, you're, you're a motivational speaker, man. I mean, you're really uh, good at understanding uh, athletes from the inside out, wouldn't you say? I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm working right now on a TED Talk. Sweet. It's, yeah. I haven't gotten asked by TED to give it, but I'm going to shove it down their f-ing throat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm going to give it in 2020. Um, I mean, you know, motivational speaker, I, I do think that the way I speak and the way I do things publicly – has the effect of providing people with the inspiration to motivate themselves. And I think that's a byproduct of telling people the truth. You know, so it's, if I just motivate people, if I momentarily spike their attention and get them to want to do something and then they take no action on it, then I'm useless. So I'm happy to be thought of as somebody who has the ability to inspire people to motivate themselves. And I think it's important that if I can do that, I also need to be able to teach people how to execute on that motivation. And that's, that's where I think the value really is. Yeah. I mean, it's, man, it, this is almost going to be like a, a Joe Rogan podcast. If, if we go where we are right now, I, I could go totally into just the perspective of what we do as coaches. I mean, I look at the body as just an extension of our soul and our mind. And, and if you're trying to help a body that the mind and soul is a mess, like what kind of success are you going to have? Well, but, but, that, but that's what happens all the time. 
you know, so, so let's, let's, let's take a baseball player, for example, because you work with baseball players. Let's say that there's a, a hitter out there or forget it. I know you, you guys are increasing velocity on throwing yeah, more than anything stick else. Stick to my so, constituents, please. Just kidding. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Pitchers. And by the way, I was a phenomenal. You were. Lefty. 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 Pitcher. Hell yeah. yeah. I remember. Where, the, where were you, bro? When I was throwing, I threw 83 <laughs> miles an hour at five foot 10, 135 pounds. If I could have got some Brent Porsche Heck in my yeah. life, I might have actually well, hit 90. And if I would've. hit 90, who knows what would have happened? I think you would have, man. We would have we would hit it off. We would have ruled the world. Dude, I, I tried out for the team at University of Maryland, and they were like, hey, man, you got a great pickoff move. Phenomenal pickoff move. It's really, really good. Um, you have a great changeup. I love the way it breaks in on lefties. Your slider breaks beautifully away on lefties and into righties. You have great command of the strike zone. You just don't throw hard enough, and I think it's because you're not very big, so we're going to cut you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Your guys can't hit me. What? What's the, what's the problem here? <laughs> that's that, that's the goal, today. right? Not, not not throw 95 and get jacked. Yeah, it's still a um, common but problem. Got, but keep yeah, going well, where well, you were with this mindset thing. Well, well, so so okay, yeah. So I forgot. But so, so there's a bunch of pitchers out there who will throw 83 to 90 to 95, and there are guys who throw 83 who can get people out, and there's guys who throw 95 who can't. What's the difference? The difference in large part is what goes on between their ears. It's not a mechanical issue with the guy who throws 95 that he can't throw strikes. It's that he's afraid if he throws too good of a strike, it's going over the fence. So we spend all this time focusing on the way that a pitcher delivers a ball and the way that, um, you know, the amount of torque that comes through the hips and, you know, all of this scientific stuff, which without a doubt has value. The problem is without the mindset of this guy, I'm going to throw my best pitch. And if he hits it good for him, I'll tip the cap. Your mechanics don't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, it's vice versa. I mean, it's like you could have the perfect mindset. Like I had, I had it, but I had my sequencing was a mess. My hips and shoulders went together. I drug my elbow behind my ear the entire delivery and my shoulder blew out at 18 years old. So, I mean, it goes either way. Like I had the mindset. I just didn't have the body to do it consistently well, long enough. You need both. Right. The, 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 the thing I want people to understand is not that mechanics don't matter. You mechanics do matter. Yes. You have to be willing to throw the pitch. But you're right. A lot of guys come into my camps and you can see they have not even considered their mindsets. They're just coming in going, oh, this guy's going to show me how to do it doesn't matter that I have no confidence in myself and I'm just an angry person because he's going to just show me how to do it and all, that's going to just figure itself out. And that's a problem too. So I, I've never done this before and I would, I would, it'd be cool to try. It, means I, it would mean I have to get to Louisiana. Um, <laughs> Please, come on. <laughs> we, we, we've, done, we've done this with athletes and their pain and we're able to reduce pain in athletes before they even do anything just by changing their mindset. Yep. Of course. I'm confident that we could get pitchers to throw harder before we even put them through a drill. No, you're right. You can. And that's, I mean, because there is an intensity factor here. You can get their intensities up and we do it a lot. But the problem is guys become reliant on that. And then, like, here's the hard thing, man. And that's one thing about baseball. We do this so much. Like, what, they play 160 games in Major League Baseball? It's insane. We have to show up every day with an A game in baseball. And that's really, really hard to do. 
So if, if you're doing anything in, in this bucket system of you know, measuring talent in baseball, if you do anything in one of those buckets really well and, and it's peaked, and therefore for you to be that good, that bucket has to be overflowing every time, it's just consistently over time the probability that you're always going to be good is going to be low. So what mm -hmm. I'm trying to do is just equally fill up every bucket to where we're not over or disproportionate on one side which is typically why, right? Come on, tell me. And this is where injury comes from when we're we're overloading one aspect and underloading other aspects. Yeah, man. We, we had a guy on my high school baseball team named Roger Camille, and I keep going back to high school because let's be real, that's where my career ended. Right? <laughs> you know, I I I'm a I was a great softball player. After that, I joined a fraternity. I you know chased girls, but my baseball career ended in high school. And there was this guy on my high school team named Roger Camille. Roger was a six foot four dude who had a flat brim hat. He refused to bend the lid. He always wore it like cockeyed to the side. And he had three, three pitches, a fastball, a super fastball, and a super duper fastball. Those were his three pitches. <laughs> I remember in those days. That was the 90s, wasn't it? Um, you know what? That was the 90s. It was. Yes. That was like that because that was the 90s video games. They, those were the pitches. <laughs> so, so the, that was that was Rogers' repertoire. Okay, now he threw 94 miles an hour in high school. When when you would watch him, you knew a pitch he was throwing based on how many times he shook the catcher off. <laughs> if he didn't shake him off, he was throwing a fastball, which basically meant he was going to throw a strike. If he did shake him off once, he was throwing a super fastball, which means he might throw a strike. If he shook him off twice and then gave like this stupid drunken <laughs> head nod, Roger was throwing a super duper fastball. And for all you know, he was going to hit the shortstop in the face with it. Right now, Roger never went anywhere. He just, he wasn't willing to get his mechanics dialed in so he could, not have to overthrow his super duper fastball to get that velocity every single time. He wasn't willing to learn how to throw a changeup because he was afraid if he couldn't throw it by somebody that they were going to hit it. He didn't learn how to throw a slider or a curveball because he was afraid he wouldn't be able to control them. And if he spent the time learning how to do it and couldn't control them, what was the point? No one could hit the super duper fastball because in high school, who's hitting 94 miles an hour. So, you need both. That was the point of telling the story you about do. Roger Camille. You need both because there's camps here that people put me on the biomechanical camp, but then there's the, uh, you know, there's the it's all mental camp. And I, I don't even want like being just on the fence of the biomechanical camp. I like, I like to be, you know, we got to do it all here. We got to be well-rounded, you know? Well, I, here's what I would say to the people who are all in the mental camp. If your mindset is so good, what are you afraid of? By improving biomechanics. Right. Right. So, well, you know, because, because they don't understand it. So they go into a realm, they don't understand it, and then it affects their mentality. Of course. But, but what I'm saying is it's a contradiction. You know, it's, it, it's, it's like the, um, and this might get me in some trouble. Um, it's like the, the religious factions. I get people in my Instagram DM all the time. Hey, Dr. Sean, um, my shoulder is really bothering me. My back is really bothering me. Can you help me? Maybe let's get on a call and discuss it and find out. We get on the call and we're talking about what's going on with them. And they're like, you know, it's what you do is great, but $279, $279 a month is really expensive. 
I don't know. I think I'm just going to wait for, for, you know, for God to give me a sign of what to do. I'm like, man, how the f*** do you think we ended up on the phone? Like, what, what, you're, you're the what best. You, That's what, a great what, but I say it to them. I'm like, what, what sign are you looking for God to give you? He just he struck you with a lightning bolt. You're talking to Dr. Sean. Yes. If you believe in God and you're religious and God is going to give you a sign to work with somebody to solve this problem, what could be more obvious than sending a DM to an account that has 50,000 followers, getting a response within 24 hours, and being on the phone within 24 hours of that with the person who can solve your problem? Very good point. Act on it. Checkmate. <laughs> yes. So it's the same with the mindset people. You know, like, oh, it's all about mindset. Cool. Then there should be no problem if we improve mechanics. The worst case scenario is we waste a little bit of time, but because your mindset is so good, you learn a lesson from that, right? Yeah, good. Then shut the f up and learn the biomechanics. Yes, and th that's so that's the piece. And but you know you're right. It's like I think because you're known for something, and this is this is the challenge. And you, you you totally know this too. Is your marketing presents a certain thing, and typically it's geared towards benefits that we know people are looking for. And then because if you knock that out of the park and you really define that really well for them and help them understand that, then all of a sudden. It becomes that's all he does. Oh, well, he's he's just really good at, you know, velocity. He doesn't know how to teach a guy how to throw the ball straight. I'm like, come on, people. Like, and I'm sure with you, oh, he's just really good with injury, but he can't help you compete at a high level mentally. You know. Well, and and part of that, I mean, I gotta be straight up. Part of that falls on you to be able to demonstrate that you have the value of both. You're right. You know, there's there's but, there's, but there's. How do you do that in your marketing? Do we sit here and show we're jacks of all trades? Or are we just master? We show we can master one thing really well that has. A real need no 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 i'm not you're not a jack of all trade you're not teaching a shortstop how to have soft hands right you're not you're not throwing eggs back and forth are you i i could if you want me to <laughs> no but, but but you don't it's not your real house right. i know you're right but in order for somebody to maximize their biomechanics do they have to have a good mindset of course okay so do you sometimes find yourself having to teach people that mindset my camp is 24 7 mindset i can't get away from it but so, so just talk about it. Yeah, well, I, I do. But the problem is, is people go, well, I'd rather listen to, um, you know, some great, some TED talk or, or some great motivational speaker than, than Brent. Of course, I mean, but, but, but Brent, that's because you, that's because you don't do it. Okay, you're it's, right. I, you're now, you know what? Now you're going to get all this motivational stuff. I'm, I'm going to do it. Well, the, well, good. The, the, the point <laughs> I'm making for, for people who are listening and for Brent is, you know, when we started putting our stuff out, the, the most frustrating thing for me, we started in CrossFit. And the frustrating thing for me was always, man, these f***ing guys with the quick fixes are growing really fast. They are. <laughs> and, and the guys who do this stuff that I know doesn't work are growing really fast. Why are people falling for the stuff that they're doing when it doesn't work? And now, nine out of every ten of them are gone. Well, because, because uh, sorry, interrupt me. It's it's because there's different people here in business. Those people are just good at marketing. They know how to get a bunch of people. I think you and I are really who we are. Are problem solvers. We're really good problem solvers. Who understand marketing? Because we can solve the problem of marketing. But those people, I believe, aren't problem solvers. They're just marketers. What do you think? I think part of it is that they're not problem solvers, and part of it is that. Um, they probably could solve problems if given the time to do it, but they're afraid to spend the time to play the long game. 
So mm-hmm. we we had a um, a conversation with another large company recently that is interested in, in in referring clients to us, and they were like, "Hey, you know, without mentioning the other company, like we do have a relationship with this other company that has a huge social media following, literally." 10, 15 times the size of ours, which has 500, we have 50,000 people. That's not small. Um, and they're like, so how do you think it would be a problem? Would it, would it be a problem for you? I'm like, no, I don't, it's fine. We'll, we'll educate your doctors. Here's what we need to do. We need to talk to your staff. We need to teach your staff how to refer to us. We need to teach your staff when to refer to us. We need to demonstrate to your staff the value that we provide so that they understand who the right clients for us are and who the right clients for us are not so that when it makes sense for them to refer to us, they do. And if they believe the other company is better to refer to in that same situation, they can. And they were like, well, the other company never did anything like that and no one's ever actually referred to them. We just have them on our website. Right. And I was like, yeah. Because they're playing the short game. Yeah. Well, and everyone's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's because it's it's enticing to be like, hey, that guy has seven hundred thousand followers. What's he doing? Hey, can I do what he's doing and get seven hundred thousand followers? Sure. But he's not making any money off those seven hundred thousand followers. And if you're in business, that's a problem. Right. So this is what you've done. So obviously, you let, let's tell them where you started and, and where you've gone to. Can you give them a synopsis of where you are now and how you got here? Yeah, to make a long story short, we started off as I was in clinic. I was a chiropractor in clinic, and I owned a CrossFit gym. And in 2012, Hurricane Sandy hit my CrossFit gym and my clinic, and it wiped both of them off the map. It wiped my house off the map, my gyms, everything was gone. Uh, for those of you guys in Louisiana, you understand what yes, that means. exactly. <laughs> so I went through that in 2012, Hurricane Sandy. So I was like, I don't ever want to have to deal with that again. But in the meantime, I have to get this business built back up because it's the only thing I know how to do. So I built my CrossFit gym back up. I built my clinic back up. And I built my clinic back up in such a way that um, I was like, I need – social proof that I know what I'm doing. I started reaching out to the best people who had attention local to me and offering them my services for free just so that I could get practice in that environment, working with elite people who would demand elite results. And I never asked them to post or do anything for me. Now, of course, organically, they did over time because I gave them such a high level of value. And then it became, hey, do you mind if my media guy records our treatment today? Yeah, no problem. And now all of a sudden I'm providing content for these people so that they can make their pages better. Long story short, we fast forward and eight years later um, or seven years later now, I have a company that is literally you know, international. We have 17 doctors who work for me, five full-time IT staff who work for me. And we're help, we've helped over 10,000 people worldwide to get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym. And we do that through mindset rehabilitation and through better exercise in the gym. And we've had situations like, for example, people who you have sent our way who were facing surgery and we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Surgery is an insane option for what's going on here. This is new. Let's figure out why you have it and let's solve the problem for it. And the surgery never needs to happen. Right. So. No, and I think you've, you've done extremely well with that. I don't know if, if people haven't followed you active life RX on Instagram, probably on every social media, right? No, it's active life RX on Instagram. It's active life It's youtube.com slash the active life. 
And I also have now Dr. Sean Pastuch Instagram. A little, so, little, little peek into my life. And if you haven't followed them, I mean, they've been, they've been incredibly influential in my understanding of building athletes and keeping them healthy. So I have to say thank you for helping my influence, Dr. Sean. And, no, uh, you're and But there's just so much more to it than I think what you even show uh, on your social well, you media. Can't, you, can't, you can't show everything. And, and that, that's what I was talking about before, right? Like, I... I've been a post the other day that was, we just finished a workshop that was two days long. And if I streamed it for free on YouTube, you would still need to come. I'm with you. You know, so there's, there's so much there. You can post whatever you want to post. You're not going to give all the information out. You just can't. Yeah. And I mean, even right now, let's give a little bit of out right now. Like put it in a, I mean, it's hard. I mean, if someone told me to put it in a nutshell, I'd be like, yeah, right. I can put it in a nutshell for you. Let's put it in a nutshell and see what we we can at least get them going with. Okay. So something you guys need to understand before I go through this is that sports are inherently unhealthy. Baseball is not like, no one's like, Hey, I want to get in better shape. Let me play baseball. Throw my arm out. (laughs) Right. So, so you have to understand that there are things that are going to be beneficial for sport that are not beneficial for life. Okay. We have to start with that understanding. What I mean by that is if you're a lefty pitcher, your left leg in abduction, pressing out to the side and in hip extension should be stronger than your right leg in the same thing, because you pitch and you drive off that back leg every single time. Your hamstring on your right side probably should be a little bit stronger than your left because it's pulling you through. Okay. So that's a mechanical advantage to throwing the ball harder. You probably should be able to rotate to the right. If you're a lefty harder than you can rotate to the left because you're rotating to the right all the time. That's a mechanical advantage for baseball. Okay. Now that under that being understood healthy bodies perform better than unhealthy bodies so there is a degree with which that goes too far everything we just described there's a degree with which that goes too far for example i'll make it clear for you if you can rotate to the right as a lefty very well but you can't rotate to the left at all i think everybody would understand that that's a problem Right. So somewhere along the continuum of being able to do it as well as you do the opposite direction and not being able to do it at all lives a space in which this becomes dangerous for performance and for general health. That's where we live. We live at bridging the gap between that, that injury and that performance. And for us, we want to make it so that you can rotate the opposite way, for example, just as well so that you can buffer and now improve the direction you need to rotate in a way that previously would have been dangerous. But Dr. Sean, they're, they're going to want to knock you off and just go, well, why don't I just throw the ball with the other hand? Yeah, you can do that. So <laughs> a lot of, well, a lot of people, you know, we put information out like, Oh, step ups are necessary. High pulls are necessary. If you want to be a good thrower, you have to be strong overhead, for example. And we get a lot of pushback on that. So, People will say, yeah, yeah, no, I, like I saw your posts. I've been doing stuff that's similar to what you're saying. Cool. Well, if you take two Advil, it's very similar to taking a bottle of Advil. <laughs> the difference is two Advil gets rid of your shoulder pain. The bottle kills you. <laughs> Dude, I love so, your analogy. <laughs> well, but it's the truth, right? So similar, <laughs> similar is not the same. 
you know, where, where, where does similar end on pitch count is a hundred pitches similar to 60 pitches. Right. Is it similar to 140 pitches? A pitcher's <laughs> velocity falls by two degrees. He lands a little bit more open than he does when he's fresh. So now his shoulder is exposed to a little bit more anterior shear force. That's similar. Do we let that happen? Right. Where, where does similar stop being okay? If you want similar, you're going to get similar results. And it's important that you understand that by definition, similar is different. Yeah. It's almost like the Jerry Seinfeld skit on extra strength, you know, extra strength medicine. He said, it's yeah. like, give me, take, go, take it to the limit where it kills me and then back it off just a little bit. <laughs> right. Right. And it's kind of the same thing here. It's just like, I mean, I, I think, I think you're making a great point that, um, you know, if, if you were doing something like that, if you were trying to go for something, you know, just to the, the edge of, of disaster where it's just, it seems to be perfect, you wouldn't be trusting that in someone who's unex, inexperienced in that. You would be trusting like a doctor, right, or someone who has a lot of experience. I think that's the point you're making. If, if you leave it at, oh, it's similar, but is it really what you wanted? You didn't really want similar. You wanted great. And mm -hmm. because your great is pushing the lines of disaster, if you're inexperienced, now you need someone experienced to help you really understand where great is. Yeah. And, and that's also, that's not to detract people who are new and who are like, well, if I need that experience, where am I supposed to get it? If I don't have it, like you can go find a mentor and spend time learning from them to get the experience that they have so that you can deliver the same great results. Right. Like that it doesn't come in a quick fix or a short amount of time. Like we started with. No. Absolutely not. And here's the thing too, right? You guys might go to one of Brent's camps and take your, your throwing from 86 miles an hour to 92 miles an hour, for example, in, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is it, it takes you to give that to two somebody. Months. Give them two months at least. Two months. Fine. You just started throwing 92 miles an hour yesterday. Yeah. You think you're going to be good at throwing 92 miles an hour? Right. No. Like if, it, if, if you were driving your car down the freeway at 70 miles an hour and then we're like, you know what? Let's just kick it up to a hundred. <laughs> you, you think you're going to have the same control? Exactly. I say the same thing. And you know, people, but it's the naysayers. That's, that's what, you know, initially it was with my thing was, oh, you know, this is, this is a scam. You can't do this. You can't increase velocity like that. Now that they see all my testimonials, now they're like, well, you have control problems. All your guys have control problems. I'm like, well, you go from 85 to 95 and tell me how quickly it takes you to control that. Well, it so, takes so, so, time. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing that, I, that you need to overcome, that, that people are going to do all the time. There's, there's, a, there's a piece there where you need to be able to sell and where they need to be willing to be sold. So what I mean by that is people look at the results that you get and they're like, no way. I can't get that result with somebody. There's no way that Brent can get it. Right. And the only way I know how to get it is by giving somebody a cue ball, having them throw it as hard as they possibly can. <laughs> but then they break down and they can't throw strikes either because they're not allowed to crow hop off the mound. So they're like, so there's no way that Brent can do that. And you're like, okay, but, 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 but I can. So let's, let's start looking at what would have to be true if I could do that. Can we do that? Yes. Okay. So if I was actually able to do this, would you imagine that I would have to be able to demonstrate a mountain 
of testimonials of people who've had these results. Yes. Okay. See here, my mountain. <laughs> Great. Okay. So now if I was able to do that, would I have to maybe be able to move out of the facility that I'm in to a bigger facility to accommodate for the demand? Yes. Okay. See here, my facility. <laughs> now, if, if I couldn't do that, would you imagine, is it fair to say I would have to be a phenomenal marketer just to keep my business going? <laughs> yes. See here, my not phenomenal marketing. <laughs> At some point, uh, you know, it's, and now it becomes, well, have you ever had somebody who's just like me who got those results, you know, because no one's been able to get them for me. You mean somebody who is 19 years old, who's underweight, who has had a lot of pitching coaching in the past, who has had arm trouble, <laughs> a little bit of elbow pain. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. See these six people. Would you like their phone numbers? <laughs> Call them. But, but so now what happens is at the end of the day, it becomes, are these the results that you want? Yes. Have you been able to get them anywhere else? No. Are you willing to quit trying to get those results and give up on being a baseball player? No. Then you have a choice to make. You either believe this mountain of evidence that we can do it and you give it a shot or you get the f out of my face. <laughs> but it's still, Sean, that's not 100% probability. That's not 100% like definite you know, notarized guarantee. No, and it never will be. And, and, and here's the thing, Th this is what you're up against there because this is, this, we're now in a sales conversation right. and people always are like, Oh, sales is dirty. So sales is not dirty. Right. The way I look at sales is if there was somebody sitting in a room in a house and the house was on fire, but the room wasn't. And they're like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to leave. I don't believe that the house is on fire. I can't smell any smoke and I don't feel any heat. What are, what are you willing to do to get that person out of the room so that they don't die? Exactly. That's sales. That's sales. Right. Or dating and marrying your wife. Was that yeah, dirty? Yeah. My, <laughs> my wife tried breaking up with me a few times. I sold her ass. <laughs> I have three kids. But so, but so if, you, if you're thinking about it from that perspective and now you're looking at a client and they believe that you really know what you're talking about and that you want to help them. They believe that your process works. They believe that you're unwilling to tarnish your reputation to take somebody on who you wouldn't be able to help. That you give them a money back guarantee that if they do what you say they're going to do, they're going to get results that they're going to be happy with. And they believe all those things to be true. There's only one thing left that they could not be believing. Do you know what it is? Themselves. Exactly. So now what needs to happen is you need, Brent, it's your job to provide that person with the opportunity to leapfrog off of the trust that they have in you, your business and your process onto themselves. If I can just relinquish control over my terrible mindset and let Brent do what Brent does, I can trust him to help me do things that I could never do for myself. And, and dude, I mean, you've nailed it perfectly only because, I mean, you're, you go through the same thing in, with your end with injury and helping people get out of pain. But th there's, a, there's a pitfall on the other side. So we've literally taken guys and held their hand, and we typically do it with the younger guys, and we held their hand through the four months. And we took, like, one in particular, 78 to 91. And then we, 
you know, he went home. He had to go play. We let him go. We released that hand. We released that influence. And that guy is now in a year quit baseball. So mm -hmm. the, the hard part is if we get too engaged, if we get too involved, we, we can let them down even worse because we build well, them up and then drop them off the cliff. Well, in part, but, but part of that, in my opinion, comes down to uh, the fear that you have. And what I mean by that is I think that you would admit that in that situation, you could have done a better job for that guy by staying on board with him longer, but it would have been really expensive. Is that right? Well, it, well, the thing is, when when you would have to be calling him and you would have to be reaching out to him, he wouldn't have been doing it to you. It's not like we weren't answering his no, calls. I get right? it. I get it. Of course, and that's fine. But if if here's the thing, my my thought is, if the laws of physics don't say it's impossible, then it's probable if you want it. Right. And what I mean by that is, if this kid. And there's only so much you can do for a person. But if this kid wanted to be great at baseball and you have the tools to make him great at baseball and he was willing to do that, provided that you were able to make it easy enough for him to do it, it might have to cost him 10 times the price to get what he wants. He might decide not to buy that. Right. But if that's an option, maybe he does. Right. And if you can sell it, he probably does. And if he does, maybe he goes pro. And now the price that you charged him that was 10 times what he thought he was going to be spending that was unaffordable is like a week's paycheck, if that. Yeah. Or, or it's a, you know, point or 2% of uh, the tuition that you made from your scholarship or you, you earned from your scholarship, you know? Right. But, but my, my, my point that I'm making to you is a lot of coaches, and I'm not suggesting that you're one of them, I don't know. A lot of coaches are afraid to offer what the person really, 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 really needs in lieu of giving the person what they think they're willing to buy. No, I've done it. And, I mean, are you right. talking about changing your price? I mean, yeah, I, I do that a lot. No, I'm, I'm talking about saying, look, here's the deal, man. Like I work with clients. I work with clients one-on-one -on -one who I help develop their business. And, and part of that is developing themselves. And this is like a side hobby of mine. I really enjoy it. But I tell them, I'm like, look, if I'm going to be on the phone with you every week and I'm going to keep a journal of what you're doing and, and track what's going on. So I'm, I'm spending time before the call to be prepared for you. And I'm taking your, your emails and responding to them in 24 hours. You're going to be occupying a fair amount of my attention. I need, need $1,250 a month from you. And they're like, what? For, for, for a 15 minute call every week, 1250. I'm like, no man, for 35 years of experience and for the action steps that you need to take and for the accountability that you need to have, this is the best way for me to help you. If I thought a 30 minute call would be more valuable, I would make it a 30 minute call. Right. This is the exact thing that I believe you need to get where you want to go. No, I'm with you. I mean, in my my industry it's a no-brainer because these kids are wanting to play year-round ball and they're dropping two three grand in these you know in these travel organizations or more i've seen them up to five grand um and what they're going to do in most of the cases they're going to sit on the bench and get get in every now and then and rarely practice I and mean, how is that helping their development you know Right, but 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 it's 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 being able to sell them on that thought. No, you're right. You're you're no, you killing spend, it. You spend five thousand dollars to throw a ball every five days. Right. And 
that $5,000 didn't get you where you needed to go. Who was coaching you while the other guy was pitching? What did you learn while the other guy was pitching? Well, not only that, I compare it to, you know, where a lot of talent is coming into baseball, which is like in the Latin culture, specifically like the Dominican. Like those kids don't, aren't in travel, you know, not on a travel team every season. They're, they're out on the field taking ground balls if they're an infielder. So what, how many ground balls is a, is a kid from the Dominican Republic taking on a three-day weekend, you know, tournament or same amount of time as you in your tournament, you just paid you know, your, your team, you paid 5,004 for that three days. And how many balls you get? Like, you know, well, well, well but, but I, I just want to make sure I'm able to finish getting across what I want to say before. So people don't think that I don't think you can learn from the bench. I believe Brent, that there's an opportunity for you to be the person's coach from a distance right. where, okay, I'm going to a tournament. I'm, I'm buying this tournament. I'm doing it, Brent. Okay, fine. Buy the tournament. What are you going to learn when the other person's pitching? Here's what I need you to be paying attention to. Here's the journal I want you to keep. Here's the report I want you to send me tonight. Here's what we're going to discuss tomorrow. Because now that kid who is going to buy the tournament because he thinks he needs to, because his friends are going, because his mom and dad have been sold on the idea that this is the only way to get your kid into college. Okay, fine. That's the sugar. No, the I, medicine. I mean, you're killing it right now. I'm, I'm about to hire you if you keep talking. <laughs> I get it, but, but the, the medicine, right? That, that's the sugar you're not going to tell them. You're not going to tell a kid not to like a lollipop, but the medicine that's going to be inside of that is you can't be passive on a scale of good, better, and best. Good is you go to this tournament and you get to throw a few innings. Maybe somebody sees you better is you go to the tournament and you journal and the journal is specific. How many times were you able to guess the pitch that the pitcher was throwing? How did you know? What was it about the hitter? What was it about the position that people were in on the field? How did you know? You know, what did you know that the pitcher was going to get rocked? That he was going to throw balls? How did you know? What was it about his mindset? What was it about the way he walked around the mound? What was it about the way he set up before he threw? How did you know? Were or, you wrong? Or, what did you think was going to happen? Or like so, a lot of my guys do, that they're in a position because more of my information is you know biomechanical information optimization. They'll have two or three buddies on the team that have arm problems, so mm -hmm. they'll go up to them and they'll actually start coaching them and helping them through my methods. You know how to get out of these arm problems because it's such a problem. So it's I'm mean, the same thing. I mean. If you can in season, you can study guys, you can help other guys. And the power of helping other guys through their problems makes you even better at helping your own self. I mean, right. But, the, and that's better, right? Good is just showing up. Better is showing up and being prepared to do that. Best, best is you make an educated decision about which tournaments to go to. And on the days that you say no, you're doing something more valuable in place of that, which might be coming to your facility and training with you. It might be doing something that you've given them to do at home. There are guys who would find more value in staying at home and meditating than going to a tournament for three days. I'm not saying that that's what people should be doing. I'm saying that's what somebody should be doing. I mean, it's a good so, point. I think what you're saying is you should be learning all the time. Yeah, and, and if, 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 you know, the, the best case scenario, there's good, better, and best. Good is you show up. 
Better is you show up with an intention every single day. Best is, and, and the intention's applied. Best is you're making decisions about whether or not you should show up based on if showing up is the best thing for you in the moment. And you're doing what is the best thing for you in the moment, even if it's not showing up because you need to do something else to make it so that you perform better when you do. I'm with you. You know, I just, the heart, the thing with me, I, I really believe in a seasonal model though, like trying to get these guys into off season, preseason, in season. I mean, don't you think, don't you think it's better to push for that with, with these young athletes or just say, Hey, look, we're just going to work with this chaos, which, which is called baseball. And we just so want to help think, you learn through the process. I think anytime that you, um, have to use the word push, right. You're up against resistance. Yes. And, um, if you've ever done any kind of martial arts or any kind of wrestling, the, one of the first things that you learn is resistance is your friend. If you allow it to be there, right. if you try to push through it, it's your enemy, right? You work too hard. You don't get anything. Let that resistance come and turn it into what you want it to be. Hey, I want to play ball all year. Okay. Here's how we're going to focus throughout the year. Right. Like in the, in, in the winter, when you're playing winter ball, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to get scouted. You're not going to worry about the following things. I don't even care if you get rocked. That's all winter. We're going to work on what your warm up routine look like. What does your diet the night before you play look like? How does sleep affect the way that you perform? How does working out the day before and the day of affect the way that you perform? And let's make sure we can throw your change up for a strike. That's winter this year. That's it. Okay. And well, now then I'm going to have to take my, I'm going to have a velocity program now and then I'm going to have a pitching program. Cause I mean, I mean, this was fine. I, I like what you're saying, but it kind of, it, it takes me in a different Avenue. If, if I'm looking at your advice and taking it personally than what I'm doing. So I can right, I can still have, you know, what we do with velocity, which I really need an off season to do that, to tear them down. And then I just, and then I could probably offer them something else. So what you're saying is I probably should try to offer them something else. Yeah, because they, they they don't the they that I'm talking about are you who's listening to this don't necessarily understand on season versus off season. The mountain of education that you need to provide in order to be able to sell somebody that they need an off season is huge because the rest of the world is telling them that's not true. So even though Cal Ripken is on the record of saying forget about an off season, you can't even play baseball for six months. You're going to play another sport. Um, but you have a large hill to climb. So instead of climbing that hill, which you're going to, you're going to die on the way up and the next person is going to pick up where you left off. And in a hundred years, they're going to look back and be like, wow, Brent was right. Cool. I don't want my paintings to be valuable after I'm dead. I want to sell them while I'm alive. <laughs> okay. So what I, what, what you need to be able to do in my opinion is say, Hey, here's our Here's our 12-month focus. It's baseball, 12 months a year, because you want baseball 12 months a year. So we're going to give it to you. That being said, here's what we're going to work on in the variety of months. And now all of a sudden, the kid who's like, yeah, I want to play baseball 12 months a year because I'm not going to get better if I don't. And if that guy's playing, then I'm not going to get better. Oh, whatever. In the winter, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're working on. Like and it's it. not what I just described. It's whatever they need. I like it. That's good. I mean, it's... Are you speaking from experience? Is this what you just have, is this what you've do, done with your business selling the, yeah, man. the brick and we, mortar? 
we work with CrossFitters a lot. So if there's ever a sport, and I say sport in parentheses or in, in quotes, um, if there's ever a, 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 a sport that requires people to be on and off season, it's CrossFit. Like it's the only, it's the only methodology that is typically used to help people get better for a sport that's also treated as a sport. So the problem is people dose it wrong. And what we need to do is turn to people and say, I get it. I know that that elite athlete is posting on their Instagram that they worked out really hard today. And you think that you need to also because you need to keep up with them. But what you don't see is their adrenals going into fatigue. Their back is hurting. Their knees are in pain. They have to take Advil just to wake up in the morning. And you're going to pass them. So instead of telling them, don't do it for this season, we say, of course you're going to do it all year long. It's just that in the winter, here's how we're going to do it. Right. And it's working, right? You bet your ass it's working. Good. Well, I, I think it's great. And I think that's the hard thing, too. A lot of these, when these kids in my industry and then the adults or all ages in your industry, when they see those elites, they jump to these conclusions, like, like you were just saying. And then when they try to push themselves to that level and they start dealing with the same problems they're dealing with, they're not prepared for it. And then that's, I guess, that's when you really... Is that when the the mental aspect comes into this? Well, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, so, so, to that elite level. Yes. So, so here is one of the things I say to to the clients who I work with: mental toughness, and you call it whatever you want. Mental intelligence, mental toughness, mental resiliency, mental durability. I don't care what you call it. A lot of people associate that with being able to grind it out, being able to work through pain. I'm in pain. I'm going to push anyway because I'm mentally tough. That's not what it means. Mental toughness is the person who is able to make tough decisions for the betterment of their will say, you know what? I probably should not go today because my body feels like it's going to break down. I need to do these things instead, even though it feels like a step backwards. That's the mentally tough athlete. And here's the situation for you guys. I'll, I'll kind of summarize this thing um, as we wrap this show up. You're a pitcher. You're on, the, you're on the mound, and you're tired, okay? You've been throwing, you're in your sixth inning, seventh inning, and you're 94 pitches into the game. Your team is up by two, or even better. Your team is down by one. You're losing one nothing. And you're pitching, you've been pitching the whole game, and right now the other team is on top of you. You have bases loaded, there's one out, Sacrifice fly gives them an insurance run. You can't allow it to happen. And you're 2-0 on the, on the hitter who you're facing. If you haven't been able to make the difficult mental decisions in training, what makes you think you're going to be able to throw the pitch to get the ground ball right now? You don't have the mental aptitude to do it. You're going to revert to the pitch that you feel most confident throwing, and it's going to get f***ing laced into the gap and the game is over. And you're going to be relieved that you don't have to pitch anymore. 
where if you're the person who went through the mental difficulty of training, making difficult decisions day in and day out, you're going to be able to throw the running changeup that rides in on the hitter's hands and forces a weak ground ball to third base that comes home and goes to first. That's the difference between Greg Maddox and you, guy who's listening to this, who throws 94 miles an hour and can't catch a f***ing break. Oh, that's a great point. I, I mean, training is the perfect environment to test out stress. Where, What parts of your body can handle stress? And when does it break down? And then how do you deal with it? How do you re remedy it? And then all the way to the mental. How, does, how do you mentally break down? How do you deal with it? How do you re remedy it? Is it? Pretty much that's what you were saying. We have to have that experience in training we're going to have success being prepared for it in, in, in the actual game situations, right? A hundred percent. If I could go back in time, which none of us can, and have the mindset that I have now when I pitched in high school, game I would have been game over I would have been three times the pitcher. Right. I don't know if I would have gone pro. I don't know if I would have even gotten Division One scholarship. Actually, I already got a Division One scholarship offer. I just didn't take it because um, I, I, I was cocky. I thought I'd make the Maryland team. ACC, baby. <laughs> Um, that didn't work out, but I would have been better by a long shot because my mind, I just, I wouldn't have gotten stressed by situations like the one I just described to you and then revert to throwing my cut fastball. Cause it's the only pitch I knew that I could throw for a strike. that was really hard to hit. Perfect. So let's wrap it up. You know, Doc Sean is, you know, obviously someone who, like I think I said in the beginning is a problem solver like me. Um, and, and it's really good with helping people who are in challenging places athletically or in general, just the general population, specifically with health. Obviously, now you're talking more with the mental aspect of it. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that? Because I want them to understand who you are. You're someone definitely available to reach out to. Um, just, just tell them, you know, who you can be to them if, if they need someone like you. Who I can be to you guys if you need somebody like me is the person who's going to tell you the truth in the way that you need to hear it and that you want to hear it to be able to take the action that you need to take. And that might mean that you need to improve your biomechanics. It might mean that you need to improve your body so that your biomechanics can improve on their own. It depends on what problem you're facing, but we can solve it. If you have a problem that we can solve. I'm open enough to be honest with myself to tell people when we can't help somebody. The reason I talked about mindset so much today is because you need the mindset so that you can do the work. It's not because you improve your mindset and all of a sudden you're the pitcher that you need to be. You also need to improve the biomechanics. You also need to improve the strength, the stamina, the dexterity, the coordination. All those things have to improve too. It's just that if you don't have the mindset first, you're doing those other things haphazardly. You're reactive. That's 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 your take home. And then someone just, I think the guys that I've sent you that I felt I needed your help really with was guys that have like really sophisticated injuries um, or struggling to really understand their injuries or even right out of injury. Don't you think you can help those guys a lot? Yeah, man. That's that's our wheelhouse. That's your wheelhouse. We we, we um. We're also, I want people to understand this. There's a lot of companies that will get, you know, the in to go to a team and work with the team strength and conditioning staff for a day 
and take them through some drills and skills for a day. And then their social media account, their website has seven logos of professional baseball teams on it to make you think that they actually work with those teams on a regular basis. The reason why people come to us is because we don't ask for the selfie. I'm not, there are people who we've worked with who people listening to this know by name without any hesitation who we won't talk about because when people come to us, it's because they're in a vulnerable place. They're afraid that their career is at risk or their performance is at risk because they're in pain. The pain is driving them to have to change their mechanics or to potentially need surgery, which means less money, which means shut down for a long period of time. We help those people without the cheap selfie to let the world know it's about us. I like so, that. so if you're looking for help and you want to be kept quiet and you don't want the rest of the world to know that you're dealing with some arm pain or some knee pain or some hip pain or some back pain, and it's affecting the way that you play and you're becoming a little bit afraid and even sad and you're staying up at night because you're not sure what's going to happen with the rest of your career and you don't want to be a f-ing accountant, reach out. And I would say reach out. Awesome. I think last thing you mentioned your book, is this definite? You said you're writing it. What's it about? Can you talk about it? Yeah. Um, it's called, I can do anything. And it's called, I can do anything because I taught that to my daughter when she started to get frustrated. She's four years old. When she gets frustrated and says, I can't do something. I ask her, what can you do? She says, I can do anything. And then all of a sudden those things start to happen. That's awesome. So, and the frustration oftentimes goes away. So it's called, I can do anything. And it's how to have massive impact, affect positive change without asking for permission. Awesome. Um, and I, I wrote it because I think that so many people are in their own way because they don't know what they don't know. You know. I used to walk around as the guy who was like, look, this is how I do it. You don't like it? Get off of it. I don't care. And that was ineffective. So now this, the things I wrote in this book are the lessons that I've learned throughout my life to make myself much more effective and and. Yeah, I, it'll be great when it comes out. It's not, I just sent it out for editing. It's been read by a bunch of people who loved it and, you know, got some really good feedback about how to change it. And we made those changes. And I'm excited. When it comes out, I'll definitely let you know. We can talk about it in depth. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a podcast again. Okay. All right, man. Pretty exciting. Thank you. And uh, we could have talked about so much more. I, I really do like the theme of this kind of like, you know, someone like Dr. Sean and like me really have the tools to help you wherever you are. And it's a lot of times it's really hard for us to give you the knowledge we have and the help we have if you have a mental block or you have something preventing you from really taking advantage of that. And I think I'm hoping we kind of define that here. And like this is just a taste. You know, if you really want more, you really got to engage with us. You got to engage with Dr. Sean. You got to engage with me and just constantly learn and learn and learn. And, And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you and teach you that you can do anything. Right, Dr. Sean? <laughs> yeah, as long as you can. Right, as, as long as it's process-driven. I can't guarantee an outcome, but I can guarantee the control over the process. Right. Any last words? I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> we <still did. laughs>